This episode is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, experienced wealth managers who go above and beyond to guide and support you. CanDo is more than just an attitude. It's navigating today for a brighter tomorrow. Visit CanDoWealth.com. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Katie Balls and I'm joined by Isabel Hardman and James Hill. We've had the King's speech today, King Charles' first King's speech, and Rishi Sunak's first King's speech as he uses the last parliamentary session before an election to try to create some dividing lines with Labour and also tidy up some Tory pledges from 2019. Just to begin... Let's go to you, James. What were the probably the main parts when it comes to the bills announced in this? We knew there was going to be a focus on energy. We knew there'd be a focus on crime. Yes, I think that crime was really going to be the thing that was the most interesting from today. Um, there was actually a couple of different bills. One was the criminal justice bill, um, and that was going to be involving things like after the Lucy Letby case, where um, she chose not to come to court. Uh, this is going to change it so that those who have committed these crimes will have to be dragged in to face their justice. But also things like the sentencing changes in terms of really um, reducing those kind of quote-unquote minor crimes, sentencing for that, so they wouldn't have to spend much time in prison, compared to, okay, those who have to... Life is life. So those who commit quite heinous crimes, you know, around rape, murder, etc. That was the sort of tightening up. So I'll be interested to see how, how that all shakes out. But I think what's really the, the theme that, if there is one from today's uh, King's speech, which unites them all, is the lack of money, really. And most of these things today were about guidelines and pulling levers which don't involve spending much money. So I think, you know, talking to, I've only spoken to a couple of MPs since uh, the actual um, speech happened, but I think some were saying, I mean, it's, all, it's not much in there to object to. And, you know, indeed you can see Labour passing some of these things, but... I think maybe some of them were hoping for a bit more of a big uniting theme and, and I think a year out from an election they're still struggling to see what that will be. Isabel, it was notable too for what was not in it. So uh, one relates to Sula Bravman and Tents and also the conversion therapy ban was not there. It wasn't in the 2019 manifesto but Boris Johnson had given an interview before to the election saying that the Tories would ban conversion therapy. Does that mean those things are completely off now? Or is there a chance the government could still introduce them through secondary legislation? I mean, the government can introduce them through primary legislation. The uh, King's speech doesn't completely shut down other pieces of legislation being in- introduced. It's just the the agenda for the year. And, you know, events can change very quickly and governments quite often introduce bills that that weren't proposed um, at the start of a session. There's also a few things missing, including what had been at one stage promised, which was uh, reform of the Mental Health Act. I mean, they've been in both 2017 and 2019 manifestos. And uh, this was to reform the Mental Health Act from 1983. Um, and something that that particularly Theresa May, but but the uh, the many prime ministers who've come after her have, to one degree or or another, suggested that they have been minded to do as well. So you know there are there are things missing that have been considered to potentially um, daft. So the uh, the removing the uh, creation of a civil offence for charities who hand out tents to homeless people. I suspect that one of the reasons for that was that it's not just charities, it's also local government and indeed women's prisons that have been handing out tents to people who have nowhere else to sleep. So it would sort of involve arms arms of the state as well as the, um, the voluntary sector. And then too complicated, which is conversion therapy, which started out as what felt like a straightforward pledge to 
end the sort of, you know, the pray away the gay stuff towards people who have same sex attractions, but actually has ended up getting mired in gender counselling and uh, whether even those working in gender services within the NHS who didn't automatically affirm somebody's declaration that they were born in the wrong body would then be uh, found to be practising conversion therapy as opposed to exploring all of the options. Um, and then there just there's, you know, there's a lot of things that haven't made it through because they're just too big, too difficult and so on. Um, and that's you know planning reform, social care, mental health act reform and, and so on and so forth. So a lot missing. And as James said, that there isn't a kind of, I mean, Rishi Sunak's overarching themes, having just been listening to him speaking in the chamber this afternoon, his overarching themes are, you know, security, sensible decisions on energy and transport. And, oh, look, aren't Labour dreadful? They don't have a plan. They keep changing their mind. And their shadow chancellor copied and pasted some passages of her book. Um, And I've felt like he put more energy into the sort of Labour attacks than he did into setting out his own vision, whatever that was. And I think the, you know, the criticism is not just of a lack of a of a unifying theme, but a, a lack of ambition, a sense of just what the government can get done in the next few months before an election without causing too many internal party dramas, where the Conservatives are very good at inflicting those on themselves without legislation. And really a sense that you know if if there is going to be ambition it's all being saved for 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 the next manifesto and james when it comes to potential internal disagreements on the labor side when over what the tories have put today i think the tories going to be interesting to see where kirstama goes on the crime for example on the longer sentencing bill but there's also the media bill which is something the tories have promised that they need to get done by the next election um, but questions over how kirstama would respond to that Yes, as you say, Katie. So this all refers to the Section 40 of the Crime and Courts Act, which was passed in the wake of Leveson. And this was the thinking that it was going to create a whole new media regulatory environment, which never actually went ahead. But this controversial post-Leveson law means that newspapers are liable to pay the legal costs of both sides in libel and privacy cases, regardless of who won. Labour previously, uh, earlier this year, um, signalled for the retention of the Section 40 Act. So I therefore think it would be interesting to watch if they choose to um, you know, support the Conservatives on this and, and repealing this somewhat absurd piece of legislation, it would seem, or whether they will, you know, choose to oppose them on it. I mean, of course, I think that it may be perhaps more of a niche issue now and somewhat irrelevant given that Labour's poll is so large, but it was thought, particularly at some points over the last few years, that the role of newspapers could be very important in this campaign. And of course, we all know Keir Starmer's role in prosecuting journalists for what happened in terms of phone hacking and Leveson, etc. Uh, we know, for instance, that you know, Chris Bryant, who was recently appointed the shadow uh, culture spokesman, has obviously been very critical about Rupert Murdoch's company. And, uh, you know, you know, as well as, as that, you know, Thangham Devonair previously being an MP also supported, um, you know, the Leveson attempts to regulate the, the press. So I think that it'll be an interesting one. And I think it's one of those kind of, it won't obviously be a sort of first tier issue like the economy or even a second tier one, but I do think it'll be one that people are taking notice of. Isabel, we saw, as you mentioned, Rishi Sunak go up against Keir Starmer after the King's speech. We also had the lawyer addresses. Can you give us an update as to were there any wise cracks that had, you know, that cheered your day in a significant manner? <laughs> <laughs> the um, the lawyer addresses are always quite funny. So you have the the proposer, who's always a sort of um, 
aged MP towards the end of their career, and then uh, the second day, who is a he was a sort of up and coming MP. So today we had. Robert Goodwill and Siobhan Bailey. And I mean, Robert Goodwill opened by saying, it's come to this, uh, meaning himself. And um, I thought he was, you know, I've, I've listened to quite a lot of loyal addresses over over the years. And um, some of them have, have tried to be funny and everyone sort of laughed out of kindness to the person speaking. But I thought his was, his was entertaining and, you know, warm and all the things that you sort of want from what really is a kind of, a parliamentary procedural bit of lovely nonsense where the speaker talks about their constituency, talks about their career, <clears throat> gives some advice to the seconder and to, to up-and-coming MPs. Um, and there were some quite <laughs> quite entertaining jokes. The best one was um, when he'd spoken to somebody who um, was uh, saying that Boris Johnson was was one of them. He said, well, what do you mean? Because this, you know, the, this guy's had an elite education. And uh, her response was, uh, no, you don't understand. He had a row with his wife and the police came round, which was uh, a nice entertaining dig at that um, uh, fight that happened just in the uh, Conservative leadership contest uh, where the neighbours of uh, Boris Johnson and his now wife, uh, Carrie, uh, called the police uh, after uh, loud shouting was heard from their house. He also uh, had a joke about what's the difference between an MP and a supermarket trolley, which is that with a trolley, there is a physical limit to the amount of food and drink you can get into it, uh, which his colleagues very much enjoyed. And we can listen to some clips of those exchanges here. So, Mr Speaker, it's, it's finally come to this. <laughs> it's official. I was the future once. <laughs> the second of the humble address, the, uh, right, the, the Honourable Member for Stroud, uh, for whom I'm the warm-up act uh, today, is always described as up-and-coming. Uh, and I'm not really sure what that makes me. <laughs> They say you should never ask someone if they're from Yorkshire, because if they are, they're bound to mention it in the first five minutes. <laughs> and if not, why humiliate them unnecessarily? I told my non-political family that I was going to be talking about the King's speech. The response I got back was, oh, great, that's a really good film. <laughs> you survive with everybody backstabbing, doing their own thing and out to get each other. And I just smile and say, I don't hang around with the Labour Party. <laughs> and just finally, James, you had a front row seat in the Lords as this was unrolling. So you can give us your own personal highlights before we end. Oh, I loved it. I was absolutely smitten. And I thought, you know, doing... did you see anything interesting? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Diadem spotting from the House as they were discussing cost of living. Uh, King Charles' first speech, the most pomp and circumstance since 2016. And, of course, Piers passing around packets of biscuits as well, which is spotted down there. So um, very much enjoyed it and uh, look forward to next year's. What type of biscuits? Uh, they looked like the sort of ones you have with cheese and crackers, you know, sort of very dry ones. They were passing them around beneath me. All right, OK, interesting. Thank you, James. Thank you, Isabel. And thank you for listening.